Look, let me tell y'all, we don't, this ain't got nothing to do with the sermon, so y'all just, I got that extra minute that Fish gave us, so y'all just humor me for a second. We decided we were going to plant some flowers, and we, we got this little flower bed, and, and uh, we were trying to figure out about how many flowers we would need. Well, let me tell you guys this, in case you might not have known this too, you know those little, little cartons, those little plastic cartons you get flowers in? I thought that was one flower per carton. Turns out there are six flowers in those cartons. So I bought what I thought was a little over 100 flowers. Well, turns out we got home with 396 flowers and a pretty small, a pretty small little area. So we didn't plant them all. We took, we took a large portion of them back. But we live, we learn, we got some flowers planted. So Lord willing, in a few weeks, I don't know, how long does it take flowers to grow? In a little while, hopefully, we're going to have some flowers. We had, a, we had some dogs that's been roaming around. We put up an electric fence, and they found it last night. And they didn't get but two of our flowers in the process. So if we can keep the dogs out, we, uh, we're going to have some flowers. All right, let's get serious now. Let's get serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 21. Kind of a long portion of Scripture and because of uh, the longer portion of Scripture and, and really what it's talking about, it really kind of talks about overall what we've been talking about for the last uh, seven weeks. Uh, we're still kind of in that introductory phase of 1 Corinthians. Paul has been addressing that idea of, of, of division among uh, God's people. And more importantly, uh, it appeared as though they were picking favorites. Some were picking this leader and that leader uh, and not listening to other leaders. And, and, and they were not living in the way that they should uh, for the Lord. And so really that, that first four chapters here that we've looked at in 1 Corinthians... Uh, just kind of reiterates that and brings out some different points. And this here is, is still along those same lines. And so uh, because it's kind of a long portion of text, we won't go through and look at every verse, verse by verse, like we usually do. What we'll do is we're just going to read through the whole text, and we're just going to kind of hit on some of the high notes so we can try to understand what exactly uh, Paul is saying. But uh, next week, once we begin to get into chapter 5 and on further, uh, we're going to, to move past this kind of introductory uh, phase, this, this kind of idea once he establishes, okay, I'm telling you guys what the problem is, then he's going to move from uh, more of a, a, a collective, a group, uh, this is what the problem is, to, to kind of more specific sins. He's just talking in general in these first four chapters, but he's going to move into specific sins that can harm the body of Christ. And there are going to be many things that we are going to see over the next few weeks that we need to pay attention to what God's Word says. Because guess what? The same things that could affect the body of Christ in Paul's day are the same things that affect the body of Christ in our day. Everything's really the same. You go back and you look at the problems that they were dealing with then, guess what? Nothing's changed. You know why? Because humans are involved. We're sinful humans. We're always going to uh, kind of tend to do the same things and go down the same paths. And if these things were dangerous for the church in Corinth, guess what? They're dangerous for the church at Enterprise. And so that's going to be, in the coming weeks, we're going to look at more uh, specific things that were going on in the church. But today we're, we're kind of concluding this, this, this idea uh, of this uh, division among the people of Corinth and this idea that they had 
really begin to think too highly of themselves. They had begun to uh, perhaps think too highly of certain leaders and making the choice as to who they were going to listen to or not listen to. And, and Paul had addressed that. We've talked about that the last few weeks, if you haven't been here. Paul was making the, uh, the, the distinction of he and Apollo saying, hey, look, we're all in this together. One's not better than the other. We're both merely servants of Christ. And that's what we really focused on in the few verses last week is that idea of, of, of we as Christians, too, are servants of the Lord, and we should not think too highly of ourselves, but realize that Jesus Christ is our master, and we are merely servants. And praise the Lord that we can be in this master-servant relationship with Jesus Christ. And these comments today that Paul is going to uh, talk to us about uh, kind of follow right along the lines of, of that, that idea of us being servants of Christ. So we'll start in chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 21, all the way to the end of the chapter. We'll read through all these verses, then we'll pray. Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the same, nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be inflated with pride in favor of one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? In fact, you did receive it. Why do you boast as if you haven't received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have begun to reign as kings without us. And I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. For I think God has displayed us the apostles in last place, like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Up to the present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed, rough, roughly treated, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond gracefully. Even now, we are like the world's garbage, like the dirt everyone scrapes off their sandals. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you can have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you can't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful son in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are inflated with pride, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will know not the talk, but the power of those who are inflated with pride. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod, or in love and the spirit of gentleness? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now and we thank you for these words. It's a lot for us to kind of digest and figure out today, so help us just to, to be able to understand what your word is saying, dear Lord. Help us to understand what was going on for, for Paul and the people of Corinth, but dear Lord, help your Holy Spirit to let this word touch us and let us know what we need to hear 
and maybe be have our eyes open to some things that we're doing that perhaps we don't realize, dear Lord. Perhaps it is our own pride and our own attitude and our own going beyond what is written, dear Lord, that may be hindering us as Christians from growing and, and doing and serving in the way that you call us to. So God, help us to examine our hearts today. Help us to, to focus on you, dear Lord, for these few minutes. Help us just to have our minds cleared, our thoughts cleared, that we're not thinking about uh, stuff that we're going to do later or what's going to happen next week or our work or our hobbies or, or whatever it is. But God, just give us a few minutes that we'd focus on you. Dear Lord, I pray that you hide me behind the, behind the cross. I pray that you take away any pride that's in my heart, dear Lord, because it's not about how good I talk today, God. It's about your word. So help us to hear from you today. And help the Holy Spirit to speak through this word to each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. We have got us a doozy of a text today. Now, Paul is really calling out the people here for what is going on. And, and he tells us very early on in the text exactly what is going on. He says, now brothers, I have applied these things. That is the illustration, uh, the explanation about he and Apollos being servants. I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the saying, nothing beyond what is written. Now that's very important, not going beyond what is written. He goes on later to say, as we read in the text, that there are some there who are proud, or some translations may say puffed up. That means that what was going on in the church of Corinth is that people had begun to think a little too highly of themselves. People had begun to, to move past what Paul had taught. They had begun to go beyond what Paul had taught. They had reached a level of spirituality that in their mind they had become uh, superior in some way, shape, or form. It appears to be that that's what the problem was uh, with their picking a leader to follow. There were some who were saying, I'm going to follow this guy or I'm going to follow that guy. We see that early on in the book. And we may sometimes do that too because sometimes uh, we may look at things that are, that are really not of importance, but we may make them of importance. Here's a quote here from a gentleman by the name, he's a pastor, his name is David Guzik. He says, many people today evaluate a pastor or a minister on unbiblical standards. They judge him on the basis of his humor or entertainment value, his appearance or his skill at marketing and sales. But this is to think beyond what is written. And that, that was a good definition. I thought, how many times do we do that? How many times might we be guilty of doing just the same thing that the Corinthians were doing? Of saying, well, I like that preacher better because he does this style or that style, or I don't like this preacher because he does that. And how many times are we basing our, our assessments of people, or things that go on in God's house, not on what God's Word says, but instead we are going beyond what is written? Do we ever do that as Christians? I thought about uh, the movie Toy Story this week. Buzz Lightyear. You probably most of you have heard of him. And his, his, his famous line is, To infinity and beyond. And that's kind of silly. Infinity kind of covers everything. There is no beyond what is infinite. But that's kind of what was going on in, in the church here at Corinth. 
uh, Paul had told them everything they need to know of, of an infinite and all-powerful God. There is nothing beyond God. God has already given us everything we need to know. Paul had already told them everything they need to know in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul ha had taught them right when he tells them at the end, imitate me. I don't think Paul himself is puffed up. You may say, well, he's telling them not to be proud, but that sounds like a pretty proud statement. But I don't think that that's what Paul is saying at all. I think what he's saying is that there are some who may be among you who are trying to teach you wrong. There are going to be some preachers and teachers that we are going to experience in our life who are going to teach us wrong. And so uh, we need to make sure that we imitate those who are living out a life of Christ. And that's what Paul, I believe, was saying here. When he says, imitate me, he's saying, you guys have gotten off track from what I told you. I have told you about everything that the infinite, all-powerful God of the universe wants you to know, but you have somehow gone beyond that. And he points that out to him with some sarcasm. He says, look at us, the apostles of Christ. We're weak. We don't have nothing to eat. We're just struggling to get by. But you guys, y'all have got it figured out. You guys have arrived. Y'all have some, somehow surpassed us. The student has surpassed the teacher. You think you know more than we know. And what had happened was they had become puffed up. They had become proud. They had begun to think that they had it all made and they were doing oh so good. And Paul was writing to them to say, hold up, let me knock you down a notch or two because you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. You're not fully understanding what God's Word is. Instead, you're going beyond that. You're adding things to it that aren't necessary. We see this all throughout text. This is nothing new for people. We see this all throughout Jesus' ministry. He, he faced many uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, and they knew what God demanded, but they always wanted to go a little beyond. They always wanted to go a little further. If it says don't do this, well, let's just make sure we don't do this, that, and the other. In the meantime, we're just going to put these extra burdens on people that God's Word does not command. And we have to examine ourselves and say... As Christians, do we ever go beyond God's Word? And let me tell you why that's a problem. Because there may be things that you and I do that we're personally convicted of that, that are neither right nor wrong in God's Word. God's Word may not say either way. It may be some very simple things. But, but in our heart, we hold them to be true, even if God's Word doesn't command it, even if we've gone beyond what God's Word says. We somehow have, have raised them to, to, a, to a spot where we think, anybody that does not do what, the way I think, then they are in the wrong. And we begin to be judgmental. And I believe that's what was going on with the church in Corinth. I believe that's why they were picking certain leaders over other leaders. Because this one didn't like what that one was doing, and that one didn't like what they was doing. And since they had gone beyond God's standard and come to their own standard, anybody that didn't line up with what they were thinking, they began to judge and look down and not listen to what they had to say. And we as Christians need to make sure that we are not going beyond God's Word. Just because someone may have a different opinion or a different thought on something doesn't necessarily mean that they are in the wrong if God's Word doesn't say that. There are many things that we do that, that aren't necessarily right or wrong either way. It's just how we were raised. It's just how we, how we do things. For instance, every culture is different. Every household is different. There are some places, some of you maybe even in this place, you might have been taught as a kid, you do not walk in the house with your shoes on. You just know that when you go in the house, you take your shoes off. Other of you, 
You, you walk in the house with your shoes on, you don't know any different. But some of you know that if you'd have walked in the house with your shoes on, your, your mama would have killed you. In some places, it's culturally acceptable to walk in a house with your shoes on. In other places, it's not culturally acceptable. Even within our own culture, uh, there are differences. And guess what? There is no universal law as to whether you should take your shoes off or leave your shoes on. We might have a preference, we may have an opinion, and we may think that it is law because mom instilled this or that into us. But ultimately, those kind of little things don't matter. There is no universal law. There is only preference. In some cultures, uh, it is is acceptable and and expected that after you eat a good meal, if you can just let out a big burp, that is a, is a, a sign of appreciation to the chef. But not in our culture. You do that growing up, your mom and daddy probably probably slap you in the hand. Or your wife would probably do it now if you did afterwards. Because that's not accepted in our culture. If somebody come in from another culture at our house and burp, we'd think, how rude. But they're thinking, I'm showing appreciation. That was the best meal I've ever ate. And there's no universal law as to whether or not we should belch or not belch after a meal. One culture says it's good, one culture says it's wrong. There is no universal law. And those are some little things, just some little examples of, of things that are, that are different. But, but do we ever bring those types of things into the church? Do we ever have expectations within the church that are beyond what Scripture says? Things that the Bible doesn't condemn. The Bible doesn't say do it this way or not do it this way. It's just kind of indifferent. It just kind of is opinion thing. You know, if I were to take everybody in here and I were to give everybody in here a piece of paper and I were to say, I want you to write on that paper everything you like and everything you dislike about Enterprise Baptist Church, I don't even want to read those papers. I don't even want to read them because do you know the opinions and the the differences that we would get if we begin to list those things that we like or don't like? You'd have one person that would say, I like that it's cold in here. You'd have another person say, I, I, I don't like that it's cold in here. You'd have one person say, I, I like that we do handshaking in the middle of the service. And another person say, I don't like that we do handshaking in the middle of the service. You'll have one person that'll say, I wish you'd read out of the King James Version of the Bible. And you'd have some people that say, I like the version you read out of because I can understand it better. And you could go through and you can make all these lists of all these things that, that God's Word doesn't say either way. There really is no right or there really is no wrong. But sometimes as Christians, we take our tradition, what we have done, and the way we have done it, and it goes beyond what Scripture commands of us. If I were to say, we're no longer going to be having church on Sunday nights, there may be some of you that say, well, we've got to have church on Sunday nights. Well, who says we've got to have church on Sunday nights? There's no biblical command that says we have to have church on Sunday nights. Is it wrong to have church on Sunday nights? Absolutely not. It's not wrong to have church on Sunday night. It's not wrong to have church in night. But there is no biblical command that says you have to come together every Sunday night and worship the Lord. And how many of us would pitch a fit and, and say, this is the hill I'm going to die on. We're not canceling church. We have to. Why do we have to? The Bible doesn't tell us to, but sometimes we take those things that are kind of neither here nor there. It's not wrong either way. It's not wrong to have church or it's not wrong not to have church. But sometimes uh, we want to take these areas that we hold to be true and so important and we put so much emphasis on. And what we end up doing is we end up going beyond what Scripture calls us to. And we begin to get proud and we begin to think, 
well, the way I think it needs to be done is the way it needs to be done. The way it's always been done is the way it needs to be done. And anytime someone tries to press against that or someone does something different than that, we begin to be judgmental. And guess what happens? There begins to be division in the church. And I believe that that's exactly what was going on in the church of Corinth. The people had become proud. They had begun to think too highly of themselves. They thought that they were rich, that they were living the good life, that they had it all figured out. And Paul was saying, no, you ain't got it figured out. You think you're doing right, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because you're going beyond what was written, beyond what God has called us to do. And we need to be on guard as Christians and as a church today. Because sometimes we do that. Sometimes we place certain emphasis on certain things. And in the meantime of placing emphasis on things that, that maybe emphasis shouldn't be placed on, we may be pushing God to the back. Now I think about, I think about services that we have, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday service. You know, it, it's all good stuff. We're coming to praise the Lord. But, there's, but, but a lot of times we, we, we tend to place some extra emphasis on Sunday morning service. Well, maybe we, we dress a little nicer. Maybe we, we have a certain order we do things and, and things are a little different. But typically on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, we, we kind of let our hair down, right? We, don't, we, we may not dress the same. Maybe on Sunday mornings we only, only play the piano, but on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights it's okay to maybe sing some more contemporary songs or play different instruments. And we, and we kind of we set Sunday morning aside in a, in a different light. But shouldn't we serve the same Lord that we serve on Sunday morning? Shouldn't we serve Him the same on Sunday night and Wednesday night as well? He's worthy of the same worship. God has not changed. The same God that we worship this morning is the same God that we will worship tonight and that we will worship next Wednesday night. But there's a certain, there's a certain spirit, a certain, uh, as, as there's something different about when we come together and we just kind of let our hair down. Or maybe it's just me. It may just be me. But it seems that there's a, a, something different. And I think that something different is that we're just coming to the Lord with the heart. We're not trying to do anything special. We're not trying to jump through hoops. We're not trying to go beyond what is written. We're just coming and we're just trying to worship the Lord. But so many times we may let our traditions and our desires maybe push God to the back. And we begin to put a little bit too much focus on things that aren't necessarily bad, but they're not commanded. And doing things that aren't commanded, that aren't bad, is not a bad thing unless they cause division in the church. Unless they begin to pull us away from the Lord. So we must be careful. We need to know that when we come to the Lord's house, what's most important, first and foremost, is one, that we love the Lord, that our heart is in it to worship the Lord, that we love each other, and that is it. That's what God calls us to do. There's not a set time. There's not a set place. It's just that, hey, we should come together. We should worship the Lord. We should do these things. I think these things are good, and I think that's what God desires of us is to be in fellowship worshiping Him. But anything we add on to that that causes division is going beyond what God has called us to. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we don't fall into the same trap that the people of Corinth fell into. And Paul sticks it to him. He says, look, you, you guys think you've, you've got it made. You think you're doing too good. But he says, look, this is the life of an apostle. We're struggling to get by. We're barely getting by. We're going through hard times. And he said, you guys need to remember what I taught you. You need to know that I taught you right when I came. And, and you guys don't need to be picking favorites or, or be so proud in what you're doing on your own. But you guys need to remember what I told you. 
You need to remember the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you don't need to stray from that. And then he gives them a word of warning. He's writing this letter to the Corinthians because he's somewhere else. I don't know where he's at. It appears as though Timothy is the one bringing the letter. He's, he asked him to receive Timothy nicely, you know, treat him good when he comes and brings to this letter. But he tells them what's going on as he's going to in the rest of the letter. But he also gives them a word of warning at the end of the chapter. For the kingdom of God, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? He's saying, look, some of you, he said in the verses before, some of you don't think I'm coming. Some of you think you're just going to keep getting to do what you want to do and it ain't going to matter. You may, they may have thought that they were better to Paul. Let Paul come. I ain't worried about Paul. I have surpassed Paul. That would appear to be the attitude of the people. But Paul says, guess what? I'm coming. And he says, when I come, do you want me to come with the rod or do you want me to come with gentleness? He's giving them a warning, saying, hey, look, you guys need to turn from your ways. You need to turn from what you're doing. You need to turn from your pride, your division among one another, all the sins that he is about to point out that's going on there. Paul is trying to tell them in this, in this statement, you need to turn from what you are doing because I am coming. I'm going to come see what's going on there. And when I come, if you are still doing wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it down. Paul saying, I'm just to come tell you what's what. I'm going to preach that hard sermon to you. We know those hard sermons, those that we hate to hear. I'm talking about them that step on our toes. Like We don't like to hear those things. We don't like those spiritual rods. And Paul is saying, I'm just to bring it when I come. But what do you want, he says? Do you want me to come and, 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 and preach at you and, and say, hey, look, you're doing wrong. You shouldn't be living that way. Or do you want me to come to you and hug you and say, well done. Keep up the good work. You guys are doing good for the Lord. And treat them gentle. And the same warning that Paul gives to the people of Corinth is a, is a warning that we need to think of. Not that Paul is coming to Enterprise Baptist Church, although it would be pretty cool if he did. It would be the best sermon we've probably ever had in this place. Paul's not coming here, though. But one day the Lord is coming back. And I think that statement is just as true for when the Lord comes back. Do we want to receive the rod, that is God's wrath, or do we want to receive gentleness. See, we have a decision to make. When God's Word warns us about something in our life, maybe what we read today is not something any of us struggle with. Maybe it is something that some of us struggle with. But whatever it is, whether it's the text we read today or a text you read this week or a text that you'll hear in two months, whatever it is, there's something in God's Word that's going to speak to you and it's going to make you cringe and it's going to be something you may not like to read or hear. But the truth is, whether we like it or not, we may need to hear it. And we need to ask ourselves, boy, if I keep going down this road, it's not going to be good. Would I rather have God's wrath or would I rather have God's gentleness? And hopefully we choose God's gentleness. Hopefully we say, hey, look, you know what, God, you're right. Your word is right. I've been going down a bad path. I've been going down a wrong road. I don't need to live this way anymore. Father God, forgive me so that we can experience the gentleness of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you, so that you could experience that gentleness and that love, so that, so that Jesus doesn't have to come back with that, that sword of God's Word, that sword of wrath and judgment, that Jesus doesn't have to come back and strike every one of us down because of our sinfulness. Instead, Jesus died on the cross so that He can come back, and those who have listened to His Word and turned from 
what we were doing wrong, we get to experience that gentleness. And Jesus died on a cross so that you could experience that. The question is, have you experienced it? Are you living in pride like these people in Corinth? Or perhaps maybe some of us guilty of of having our own ways the way we like things. And that's okay. It's okay. We're all different. We can all like things a different way. We can prefer this type of music over that type of music or prefer to dress this way or that way or prefer this translation over that translation. It's okay that we have differences of opinion. It's okay that we like different things. But we can't let our likes go beyond what God's Word said to a point where we begin to pass judgment on those who may do something different than us. Not something that's sinful, not something that's unbiblical, but something that's just simply different. So we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we're not puffed up. We may need a little spiritual pinprick to deflate us a little bit. Or we may have begun to think a little too much of our ways and not enough of God's ways. Let us not be found guilty of going beyond what is written, beyond God's Word, and beyond Jesus Christ. There are many people I see in this world, many religious groups, people I encounter, people I see on TV or read articles about, and they believe to some extent that Jesus was at least a human being. Some may believe he was a prophet, but some, uh, some say, well, well, Jesus was pretty good, but, but we need to go beyond Jesus. Jesus was just a stepping stone and, and, and part of God's plan, and, and Jesus is not that important, and they begin to try to go beyond Jesus by earning God's favor through their works or through whatever crazy things that they may try to to do but I got news for you there is no beyond Jesus Jesus is it there is no beyond the cross we can't go beyond the cross of Christ and Christ crucified we go to the cross of Christ and Christ crucified and that's it that's the only place we can go there is no beyond that there's nothing we can do beyond what Jesus Christ has done on the cross what he did is enough we have to make the decision, are we going to accept that and know that Jesus is enough and not try to go beyond on our own? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now. This is kind of some tough stuff we, we read about today, dear Lord. We, we pray that you'd help us not to be those who are proud. Uh, maybe sometimes we are, dear Lord, and we're all different, and that's good, God. It's because we're different. You bring us together. We have differences of opinions on some little things, but, God, we're not going to let the little things cause division among us. We don't want to fall into the trap of Corinthians. We don't want to pick favorites, dear Lord God. We know that you call us all to different things, dear Lord. We're not all great speakers, or, or, or maybe we're not funny, or maybe we're not... Uh, skilled in what we do, but God, whether we're the best educated or, or the least educated, dear Lord, that does not make any difference whatsoever. God, if you call us to use us, we are all your servants. When we come to you, Lord Jesus Christ, we are all your servants. And we shouldn't be proud and look down on others or think, oh, we've got it figured out, dear Lord. Because if we think we've got it all figured out, we may not have anything figured out. So, dear Lord, help us not to have that attitude, to think too lowly of other people or too highly of ourselves, or, God, or think that we're better than you. God, to think that we can go beyond what is written, to think we can add stipulations to your word that just aren't there, God. So help us not to fall into this trap. Help us to seek Jesus Christ. God, help us not to imitate Paul, but help us to imitate Jesus, his love, his sacrifice, 
everything that he did on our behalf, God, that's who we want to imitate. So, God, let us be faithful servants. Let us work together. Let us be those who receive a gentle spirit from you, dear Lord, when that day comes that we stand before you and that we don't have to receive the rod of your wrath, God. Help us to take these words of warning from Paul and see the areas in our life where they can apply. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.